extra spectacular episode of Normandy FM. We have no guests today. It's just I, one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, alongside fellow co-host Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how are you doing today? Feeling a constant sense of dread. Yeah, 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 something like that. Uh, some, let's say, behind the scenes, you know, like how the sausage gets made... Uh, we usually record our podcasts on, say, a Monday. Uh, and obviously, if you are a listener of this podcast, you know that they go live on Wednesday. Today, we are recording on Tuesday because of uh, workload reasons that will become more apparent later in the week. Because not only are both Ken and I uh, kind of dealing with next-gen coverage and a lot of embargoes that are all coming up pretty soon for a lot of big games that are coming out this November... But, uh, hey, we're also recording this on a Tuesday. And if you're alive in the world, you know that this Tuesday, this specific day, is Election Day in the U.S. Um, I know many of you, I would hope, uh, went out and voted early. I know I did. I think you did as well, mm-hmm. Ken. Yep. Um, you know, and there are also absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, you know, drop-offs, that sort of thing. Um, I went in person. They had... A pretty good covid compliance i guess is what you'd call it <laughs> that sounds bad that sounds like it's working with the virus um, um safety compliant uh setup where i could just kind of go in through this you know discreet hallway and man it sounds like i'm also buying illicit pornography or something um and and do all my voting uh that being said obviously if you have been alive for the past four years um you know that we are not in a great place in our nation um for some people that has always been true for some people that has just become more obvious and apparent over the last four years hey maybe even just the last year or the last couple months it's become a bit of a stark reality reminder of the way things are um I would hope that all of you are either as we speak right now on this podcast on Tuesday going out to vote or that you've already voted. No doubt by the time that most of you are listening to this, there will already be some measure of an outcome Mm -hmm. declared, which is its own specific Mm -hmm. degree of anxiety inducing. Um, I'm not one to jinx myself by calling anything. You know, I would hope that we as a nation have acknowledged that getting the big dumb doo-doo head out of that house and installing literally anything short of an upturned broom with a bucket for a head is a better situation for all of us at large. Uh, But regardless of the outcome, I just wanted to say that no matter what, uh, we're always here. We're always working towards a better tomorrow. I think there's always consolation to be found in working together and in finding unity, even against strife, even against injustice. And hopefully the world isn't fucked. (laughs) This is Eric in the past saying, hoping right now uh, that the world is not presently, when you are listening to this, more fucked than it was when I recorded this. Um... We can only hope. Uh, Ken, it, it was weird. We were talking before we started this podcast about where we were 
four years ago when mm. when this when the first election happened and the result that many of us I think remember happening that night. I was sitting in my parents' house uh, because I was a young freelancer who could not afford to live by himself. Uh, and we were drinking wine and watching it unfold in front of us with just this creeping dread just coming in from every corner and as you sat there trying to go like okay but if this happens or this happens or that happens and it just became more and more apparent like like Ken where were you at in, in 2016 so because the world was a different degree of fucked even if it didn't it did not have a pandemic happening I was like I'm gonna do something for myself and I'm going to do something that's going to distract me and like take up a large chunk of that time like mm-hmm. getting me with my phone so me and a group of friends we all went to go see Doctor Strange by the time okay. Doctor Strange was over and I opened up my phone, it was very apparent what was going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So you the, saw it at, like, night or in, like, the evening? Yeah, and it had to have been around, like, 8 or 9 that night by that point. Um, and, uh, you know, the, you know the, the sense of dread just kept coming and coming, and this year I obviously don't have any means of distracting myself that way, short of, I guess, like, going to sleep as soon as I finish editing this podcast, which is not off the table um so i don't know like i I, i'm not like in a i'm I'm in a situation where like i don't feel hope or despair at whatever's going on i just kind of feel numb because we are still like it is right now 4 43 p.m eastern time so like polls are not closed we don't really have any sort of inclination as to what's going on yet um so like i feel like i'm in this limbo state where the knowledge that it is coming is like hanging over me like a cloud but i haven't felt any rain yet so that's it's, where i'm at right now it's a weird place to be in to be like you know you feel optimistic you feel like there are things that have happened like things that have become more apparent like i, I like to refer to it as um i've had family members okay i've had family members who have asked about like why protests happen and why Mm. riots happen and why things like this happen and i found that one of the easiest ways to explain it to them is well you're talking about it now right it's it's not like this hasn't been happening for years Mm -hmm. it's just what was it going to take for you to have to think about it and and talk about it and rationalize it and understand it in the way that so many people have had to live it for years right that's really all it is yeah and yeah i think this year has been a year of people having to have that force you know to to understand it i mean like one weird byproduct of the quarantine is that we have no other choice but to sit at home and wait for news about when we can stop sitting at home right? right and that's something that universally affects us and um so part of me is optimistic that maybe a lot of people might have learned some things that Mm -hmm. they didn't know in 2016 um it is not my place to recommend that anyone practice forgiveness of people close to them who voted for somebody who actively 
mm-hmm. uh, promotes things that are harmful to yeah. them as people. Uh, you do not have to practice forgiveness. The the impetus is not on you to forgive people. Um, mm. I I'm just. I am optimistic, but that's like the worst part is I remember how optimistic I was, but it was a right. different kind of thing in 2016. In 2016, I was like, oh, come on, like, no way. Like, okay, right. we've all had our silly fun. Now let's move on and get back to serious business. And I feel like the tone this year has been much more, okay, no, seriously, we're not fucking around this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. no more fun and games. We need to do something. Um, and the forces that be have at least been odious enough to be, to be more apparent with what they are doing. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, it's like, you know, both live in the South to like varying, like, yeah, yeah, that's what makes me feel this way. Like, <laughs> and like, that is something that like kind of like makes me not as optimistic as it. Like, I live here and I see how much has not changed for mm-hmm. even people that are like in my proximity as a gay man that lives in the South. And, I mean, you know, maybe by this time tomorrow, I'll, like, have, like, at least some amount of a weight off my shoulders, but pardon me, like, I mean, like you said, it's not on anyone to forgive anybody for anything, but, like, kind of, like, knowing that there are people that have seen the world in the past four years and are like, this is, this is the best we can possibly do. This is exactly the state we need to be in. Makes me less inclined to, like, be forgiving and, like, more inclined to fight in ways that I'd never mm-hmm. granted. Like, there is... I, I do live in the middle of fucking nowhere so like there is like that feeling of like what can i do but it makes me more inclined to use what i like the tools that i have at my disposal now in whatever ways i can mm-hmm. yeah um when when aoc was playing among us the other night on twitch and uh h bomber guy who by the way if, if y'all are looking for a youtube critic who's who's fun to watch uh h bomber guy does great work um he was on that that Twitch stream, that, that very popular Twitch stream. And uh, he was telling the story about how he had to get an operation done. But he's in the UK, and he, he just went through how easy it was to go through NHS and figure out what it was and set a date and get it done. And he said, I, I went home and I looked up on the internet how much that would have cost to get done in America. And that's how you become radicalized. And like the way he said that has just stuck with me, where it's like, people have that moment where they're just like oh yeah this is how like i can my mind can now quantify and understand how fucked the world is and mm-hmm. and how it needs to change and for a lot of people that moment it has happened it happened a while ago it may be happening now it may not have happened yet and again forgiveness is not on us to give it's the thing that I guess we'll leave on because at some point we're supposed to sensibly talk about Dragon Age. Mm. Um, well, we're about to get a very like the political the political hey world yeah of Dragon Age. It's talking it's about topical. the politics of Dragon Age. Um, the I've seen a lot of I, I've been trying to avoid the doom scrolling of Twitter today, but one like prevailing thing I've seen from a lot of YouTubers and personalities and stuff has been this kind of similar brand of post that's like today's the day you know use your platforms and fight for good and stuff like that mm. and i appreciate that there are streamers out there who are trying to do that um today's not the day the day was yesterday the day was 20 days ago the day was four years ago the day was 20 right. years ago like every day is the day and no matter what outcome exists once this podcast is live 
we need to always be fighting for mm. what's good, for what's right, for what's going to make the lives of those around us better and not worse. Yep. And whatever outcome we live in when you're listening to this, just remember that, that we're all out here. We all need to fight for each other. We all need to have each other's backs. So on that note, mm. man, there's some real political fuckery in Dragon Age in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say now, like, I'm glad that you literally just played this because we're, we caught up to the point where like I kind of left off like full disclosure I haven't played Dragon Age Inquisition in like a month and a half mm-hmm. so like this and this is this particular quest is so dense that like a lot of the specifics kind of have gotten easier to me just over time because as I've said before Inquisition is probably of like the games we've covered the game I've played the least of all of this mm-hmm. so like the specifics can kind of and I think I've even all three times I've played through Inquisition I've done a different thing maybe haven't quite even landed on exactly where I want to like in a hypothetical canon Dragon Age 4 playthrough, like, where I want to leave or lay, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll run you through what I did this time, so. Yeah, um, like, for context, I literally, like, we held up recording today until I'd finished playing this mission, so I literally just finished playing this mission as we were talking about it, and I was having that moment where I was kind of going, like, oh, there's a lot at work in this mission. I think, um, this is probably the most... Like, if you look at it from a narrative design context, probably the most complicated mission in an RPG I've seen in Mm. some time. Um, There's just, there's so much happening and so many little things that end up building up to whether or not you get certain endings, certain outcomes, whether Mm. you have to do something or not. Um, But let's let's lay it out. So, of course, we're talking about Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts and Dragon Age Inquisition. And... The setup of this is that, as we've discovered, um, the Empress Selene is uh, of Orlais is under threat of some kind from Corypheus. Um, through our adventures, either through the mage or the Templar side of this, we know that uh, Selene, I believe Selene dies in both of them, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know that Selene is in danger. Uh, we kind of don't know exactly whether she's going to die there or whether she's going to die later or what's up, but it is obviously apparent that Corypheus is at work and we probably need to get into the peace talks that are happening because Orlay, as it is, is in just a freaking political minefield. Man. So, like, this is this is the game, right? This is the stuff that Josephine and Leliana mm. always talk about. Like... This is when you think about those masquerade balls with intrigue and political uh, machinations and Machiavellian, uh, you know, schemes being brought up. Like, this is that. This is that world. And it's a side of the world of Dragon Age we've never really seen. Even when we play as nobility characters, we don't see this side of things. You know, Dragon Age 2, you were kind of always on either the bottom rung or the top rung, as it were. Like, you go from being the family that's living in the slums of Kirkwall to the family that's living in the upper crust of Kirkwall, which is sparsely populated, and there's not really this kind of scheming and stuff going on. And if, you know, if you're a Grey Warden, it doesn't really matter. You could be a a Kuzland or whatever, but you're still gonna be a Grey Warden. You're not really partaking in this stuff. Like, the closest you get is dealing with Loghain and Alistair Mm. and Enora. But here... We are the Inquisitor. We're going to the ball to deal with 
the Empress Selene, who is currently the ruler of Orlais, uh, her cousin, yes, mm-hmm. cousin, Gaspard. I just, look, I'm just going to go ahead and say that it takes me like half a second every time I see this game or play this game to remember that Celine and Florian are two different characters because <laughs> they have the same haircut and like the dress is the way I tell them apart. Like that's, have, well, I mean, they have masks too. So like that would be your only real way. Yeah. To yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. So they have hair and then Celine has like blue, like icy blue eye makeup going on. So that's like the other way, but like the dress is how I have to remember it. Like the color of their dress. Cause otherwise they look, like their family they look very similar to each other um so i get them mixed up a lot so uh celine her cousin gaspard who is kind of a uh, he's he's positioned currently as the usurper to the throne and he's Mm. kind of trying to stage a coup but like the most polite coup i've ever seen in my life where he's just like nah i should be ruler let me take over like i want to go to war and stuff and everybody else thinks i should be like the military thinks i should be the ruler so put me in as ruler um but he's doing it very politely you know he's not trying at least not overtly trying to over overthrow the government with force you know he's just being like hey what's up uh i think i should be in charge instead uh, and then in the middle of all that, you also have Florian, who is Gaspard's sister, who is uh, an apostate mage, who is kind of like one of the magical consultants of the court. Uh, you know, she she's hanging out. She knows magic and stuff. So always good to have folks like that around. And uh, Briala, who is an ambassador from, I guess you would say like, Okay, Ken, maybe you can help clear clear this up with me because you know lore a little bit better than I do. Well, I was gonna, hold on. I, when you were talking uh-huh. about Florian, were you talking about Morgan instead? No, 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 no. Morgan is different. Morgan's the occult advisor. I know about Morgan. Don't worry. But but Florian's like also. Uh, oh no, she's Grand Duchess. But they were like, oh, she's an apostate mage too. So I was like, oh, she's also like the Did magical they consultant. Say that? Yeah. Yeah, they Are say straight up. They say straight up. She's an apostate mage. I've got her wiki page open, and I am control effing for mage magic. Apostate. Hold on. Hold on. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, you know what? I must have gotten confused. They must have been talking about Morgan. Yeah, because that was like her role all right how the fuck are we gonna chop this up ken i mean i would just leave it in and make it a blooper all right (laughs) um yeah see this is what this one i'm talking about you get introduced to the whole court all at once and it all gets confusing grand florian uh grand duchess florian is is not magical although she does do some magic bullshit later but that's with the help of some other bullshit that's going on don't worry we'll get there um the actual as as we learn, there is an occult advisor, an apostate mage that's helping out. Uh, Celine, you will find, we'll discover later on. Um, and also, Briala is in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. Briala is like this. So you know, like I was saying, you know, lore better than I do. Um, Halam Sharal is like the overall area that they're in, and the Winter Palace is part of that. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Um, so she's kind of the ambassador for a large amount of elves that are in the area of Halamshral and, and kind of like kind of positioned as the ambassador for elves at large 
Um, and hey, yeah. guess what? There's a lot of elf racism in this mission, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you play as an elf. Uh, there are some nobles that say some real messed up shit to you as you go walking by. Like you hear them whisper about how a knife ears has been invented, has been invited to the party yeah. and stuff like that. I was like, cool, more elven racism. <laughs> Neat. Can't mm-hmm. imagine why anyone would want to overthrow these nobles. <laughs> um, but uh, Briala is this mysterious ambassador who we also learn has a bit of a past with selene um mm-hmm. and all of this is going on during the middle of what is essentially a masquerade ball uh so there's a peace talk and also a party happening at the same time which is kind of great um and really leads to what i think overall is inquisition's strongest mission mm-hmm. strongest quest um yeah. mostly because there's largely no combat and in fact the parts where you do combat i think are the worst Mm. um if not just for how mechanically frustrating they are but for how just pointless they feel right Um, yeah and yeah like they had to go like well you can't kill someone in a cutscene every time you should probably have to kill them with your fingers too but um it's it's just so damn good ken Mm. um it's I I mean like take take me through it. What what was your experience like coming back to this mission? Because you've played this so many more times than yeah. I have. This is probably actually like my third or fourth time through the mission. Because while I've only beaten Inquisition once, uh, I had a save of the Winter Palace that I would go back to to replay the specific mission to oh, yeah? see the different outcomes and stuff. Oh yeah, dude, this <laughs> mission owns like it's so yeah. good. Hmm. Um, so what was it like for you kind of revisiting this? Uh, I mean, like, I think I, I don't, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I don't know if I've tweeted about it, but like, this is probably like my favorite individual quest in Dragon Age as a whole. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like not even just Inquisition, but I think even like if Orlay is not sort of, it's not a setting that I have like much, right, uh, right. much love for. Like, cause we don't. Yeah spend a lot of time being invested in Orlay in the way we do Ferelden and Kirkwall or you know even like specific sides of the lore like going like working in the circle and like uh going to Orzammar and you know being like with embedded in different factions space in this universe mm-hmm. um because really this is kind of it like we do go to like Valrael like fairly frequently in this game but like this is like kind of the guided tour of the inner workings of a government and uh, like a culture that we only ever really ever hear about um mm-hmm. and so like from from that standpoint it's interesting kind of like as an outsider as the inquisitor regardless of uh where we stand in this universe kind of like observing and learning all like the like for all of, like you know the pop and circumstance of it like this this is all like really fucked up and this is like but this is all very normal to everybody else here um and it, it comes in with the way that, like, people greet us. We're out, like, whether it's because of our race, whether it's because we're a mage, whether, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if any, like, choices that you might have done might also play into, like, the court, sort of court approval you have here. But it feels like we have been, like, kind of plucked out of our, our space in this universe and into something very different. And I really like the... I mean, it's kind of ham-fisted and cheesy, but I really like the, the way that, like, you start out with different levels of court approval, depending on, like, what your race is in, or if you're a mage. Because um, it's, like, it's, like, a weird way to, like, gamify, like, status and privilege, but it's 
it kind of works for me. I don't like I don't I know that some people have like kind of conflicting opinions on that, but I don't know how you felt. Yeah, it's I mean, when it starts out it's literally like, hey, guess what? You're an elf and people are going to think less of you because that's you're going to have to work harder to get the court to like you. Mm-hmm. That's that's like a cool thing up front because yes, we've been like I was saying, like you hear people talk about your inquisitor and they will say like terrible things about you, but to actually like turn it into a number on a meter and show like how much harder this character has to work to to get mm-hmm. the same approval that a human inquisitor would have i mean yeah. yes in some ways that is heavy-handed but at the same time like you know I, the weight of the hand as long as it delivers like what it needs to it yeah. works and i think it works here um yeah and even like because and even like it'll play in your favor sometimes like say you're a human rogue or warrior you get right. or like a bonus approval just because like you are coming from like a because like the you don't have to be a mage to be a Trevelyan, right? Uh, I'm not sure about the specific last name, but I do know that like human rogue and human champion specifically get like they come like, from nobility. bonuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even, and even like when I was playing as a mage, that like was counteracted by me being a mage. So, like I start out with the same as like an elf or dwarf inquisitor has like the same uh, like minus ten points stigma. Like as soon as you walk in, um, mm-hmm. and Canari, regardless of class, have like the worst they go under 15 which is which makes actually a lot of sense like because i think unless you bring iron bull like the, the kunari inquisitor would be the sole kunari at this mm-hmm. thing um mm-hmm. i'm actually not sure i think that's probably the same for dwarf as well i don't distinctly remember any um there are some mm-hmm. i think there's some carded dwarves in one section of the winter palace i remember like seeing some characters that looked like Carta dwarves, and I was like, "Oh, mm. hey, why are they over here? <laughs> like, this is a weird place to see the Carta." But you know, no. I, I, um, I might be misremembering. But yeah. I mean, I did not have any dialogue with them either. There, I, I don't know if they do have any dialogue or not, but I did mm. not have any specific dialogue with them. So, right. um, so that like that opens it up and kind of tells you immediately, like, "Hey, this is what this is going to be about." Like, you have a meter here, and it says like zero to a hundred how much the court likes you mm. and, and it, it ticks away if you're not doing stuff like if you're not like making yeah. a, yourself known and present throughout the thing um it never like went out like so like quickly that it made me anxious but like it's just like a thing to always be aware of like you need to constantly be in front of people and like showing interest in things that are happening like being an influence being like the life of the party and influence and mm-hmm. um, well, so, so let's get to that once we actually start losing points uh because we have a while before we even get to the part where we start losing points um because for for most of the intro we're just kind of walking around you know we walk into the ballroom we make our grand entrance with uh gaspard who is kind of our uh for me was like my patron i don't know if that was different for you if you had like briala or someone else oh no it was gaspard i think it's it was gaspard okay um because I could not remember, but I was like, oh, I wonder if they're still doing that thing where it's like, oh, if you're a female character, you go with Gaspard, but if you're a male character, you go with Briala. Um, no. That's good to know. Because uh, there's also a moment, like, 
I'll just mention this now because it probably wouldn't have come up any other way. Uh, there's a moment way later where you can dance with a character. And if you are a female Inquisitor, you can be like, two women dancing together as like an option. And I, was, I just looked at that and I was like, first of all, I'm not falling for that trap again that you already got me with like trying to be like, oh, exhaust every dialogue option. And then Dorian's like, yes, like, come on. It's not that <laughs> weird. Get with the times. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but also I just looked at that and I was like, seriously in Orlay, you think that's like an issue man like yeah, that that's interesting because like they're okay like dorian is like very like one very specific case of like acknowledging actual in-world homophobia of this universe but they've had like weird like throwaway lines with like the seven romance and the fenris romance if you're playing a male character that imply it is like somewhat stigmatized elsewhere but the weird thing i've always noticed is that short of like dorian and that like that being this own isolated thing about Tventer, that shit only ever really gets brought up by the player character, and I don't understand like what they, why like they just go out of the way to make those dialogue options if nobody else in the universe thinks anything is weird or off about this until you bring it up. Yeah, like is it supposed to be like a gotcha moment? Like, haha, you bigot, you thought this mm. was a bad thing. Haha, Which, I mean, <laughs> they they do with like Krim, and it works, but here it's like why are you putting this stigma on yourself? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the case of Dorian, which we talked about in his episode, like that, the stigma was partially because of actual, like, you know, just not liking the relationship, but also because they wanted the bloodline to continue on and stuff like that. Um, almost in a weird assassin creeds, odyssey, assassin's creed odyssey sort of way. Mm. Um, of, Hey, for storyline reasons, we did a homophobia, but, um, for for this it was just kind of like why is that option there like yeah. i don't know man like also it's just dancing you can dance with people it's not a weird thing dance with everybody honestly not enough people dancing with each other these days you should dance more i think i did get an option though to be like oh i'm actually seeing someone i don't want to give them the wrong idea and then she's like oh well, this is merely a formality and i was like all right oh we're gonna talk about romance at the end of this by the way fun yeah fun fact uh, <laughs> because i got i got a bone to pick but anyways mm-hmm. um so we we head inside you know we do the whole thing with gaspard gaspard kind of early on puts a puts a worm in our ear of being like hey uh if you support me this is all gonna go real smooth like everybody likes me you'll have the military behind you like i'm the conqueror dude you totally he's a bit full of himself in a way like and you can kind of play into that and i think that's some of the more interesting stuff in this uh in this whole section is playing into the game a little bit and you know playing the role so like a lot of the middle options which you know kind of veer towards the dragon age 2 sarcastic stuff mm. um you can kind of like toy with him with kind of double-edged words and stuff be like yeah. oh you really you really think you're the life of the party and stuff like that. And like, he's all like, yeah, I am brosif. <laughs> Let's go in there. Let's mm. do this masquerade. <laughs> God, he's such a bro. I hate him. <laughs> um, but you're just kind of like, Oh my God, you just look like a moron. Um, and, and once we're in, we get introduced to all the other major players. You know, we, we meet, uh, Celine and Florian, uh, Briala is not long after that and we kind of just do the rounds and talk to some people and there's there's neat stuff here and that you can talk to the people that came with you like both your advisors um I didn't talk to Colin much and Liliana kind of serves mostly a 
uh, like a mechanical role in that you can eavesdrop on various conversations yep. and find various collectibles that you can turn in for both approval points and like uh, an arbitrary quest if you want to do it. Um, I did not complete either one of those, but I did do some of them just to get approval points up. Yeah. But um, when and I didn't talk to Colin much either. I just I didn't want to. I guess I was like eh, not really feeling it. But with Josephine, I went through some of her dialogue stuff because her sister is there. Yeah, and there's some fun dialogue with that. Uh, there's also I brought Cassandra. I brought Cassandra, Dorian, and Vivian, and they all mm-hmm. had very fun quips about orlesian nobility and the game and stuff like that uh they seemed like the three that would be most down for coming to the ball although cassandra was a lot less happy (laughs) to be involved i brought cassandra dorian and varick the weird thing about varick was i couldn't find him the entire time and i don't know if he glitched out or if or what happened but i literally could like i could find him on the i could saw him on the map but i could not get to wherever this dude was um. So I I missed out on whatever he had to say, but I figured that he would like you know be a person that like maybe wasn't happy to be there, but like would have had like a very insightful things to say had I been able to find him. So rest in peace to Veritatris. I don't know what happened to him. Um, um. Yeah. It's and and they're all kind of in different places too. Like Cole, I remember has a really weird place that he hangs out where it's like kind of later into the proceedings mm-hmm. as you get going. But um, once once we start to get involved in everything, let's say, you know, we've we've kind of done our entrance and, and we've talked to everybody. We then talk to Leliana and Leliana kind of gives us a heads up that like, hey, there's some shit going down. Uh, Briala's got agents here. You probably need to go look into them. Um, and this kind of starts what I'll say is like the main thrust of what we do here which is investigating various leads about what the threat against selena is because we know there is a threat we know that something is going to happen tonight we don't exactly know what and they're not really listening to our warnings at the time being so we have to kind of navigate the ball uh figure out how corypheus is going to come at selene and uh who who's at fault and get some evidence against against them if possible Mm -hmm. um so as we go around and and by the way like there are so many damn side quests that are happening in this game so like there are if you bring sarah there's a very specific side quest that sarah has for red jenny stashes that are in the the winter palace that's only possible if you bring sarah um, there's some other stuff going on where you can be picking up various eavesdropping spots and things like that. You can go to different rooms and all that. It's we're not going to cover the breadth of that, both because like it is good world building and it's interesting, but it's also not like it's just things to be doing to like more immerse yourself in the world. It's good, but it's not worth like dissecting. Right. I think. Yeah, um, I agree. So as as we run around, we we go through the vegetable, vegetable vestibule. The remember to eat your vestibules, Ken. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't I actually don't know how to pronounce that word. Now I think about it, the, the I think vestibule, right. vestibule? vestibule or vestibule, the iron vestibule. Vestibule. Is... <laughs> the vestibule. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> we. 
uh, we can head out into various areas and head over to the Hall of Heroes, uh, the library, the gardens, and find these different um, items that will kind of give us an idea of what's going on. Uh, kind of, you know, give us a lead that is kind of pointing towards Briala to start. Um, and the other interesting aspect of this is not only, like, as you mentioned before, there are areas of this party that are sort of considered away from the party and your absence will be noticed mm -hmm. while you're gone. Uh, and it, the thing that I like about that is that the court approval ticks down during that time, but it felt like it was the right amount of tick mm. down for what happens. Um, the And also they give you a lot of ways to recover in between those sections. So yeah. that way it like you feel like you are losing something, but you don't feel like you are permanently losing it. If that right. makes sense, like you can make it up later um so that was it was the right amount of tension because i do think that's part of the interest of these intrigue scenarios is you know you're keeping up appearances and like leliana says you know you have this mask on and you're pretending to be a person but then you kind of slip out a side door and go investigate into some bedroom quarters and stuff and then pop back but if you're gone too long oh celine's gonna notice you're gone and that's gonna lose you favor which you might need later like it's this cool way of gamifying the actual intrigue of this situation right um but the other mechanic that we have is that there are timers of a sort on some of the things that are happening that come in the way of bells that happen for various like segments of the night to continue forward so once we have picked up an item in this uh section the third item in the section that we need for kind of proof or evidence um a bell rings and that's like hey come back to the ballroom uh then a second bell rings and that's like hey okay no seriously come back to the ballroom and the third one rings it's like dude you're you're fucking late get your ass back to the <laughs> ballroom um and i think it's funny that you you can hear the first bell ring and kind of go running back right away and be like oh hey i'm here i'm here or you can wait for the second one and make a fashionably late entrance which actually wins you points mm. or you can wait till the third one and lose twice as many points because no you're just an asshole now <laughs> like stop <laughs> waiting i think that's like it's a gotcha moment because I, I remember when i played this the first time obviously this was right after it came out and there weren't as many like guides and stuff to pick apart the exact mechanics of the game so i was like oh second bell they're like oh fashionably late i get points for doing that well what if i wait till the third bell it's like no you're just being a jerk now <laughs> like <laughs> get in there everyone's waiting on you <laughs> um there's also a lot of stuff we do uh we can pick up hala statues yeah which uh, are not like communicated to you as essential as they actually kind of are like at, they're, they're essential get, like, if you want a certain ending yeah that's yeah that's kind of what i get like that is something that's kind of weird is like the collectibles and like a lot of which are like in these sections where if you're not you know like it is there are the points where you're losing approval mm -hmm. to go get them yes. and like search yeah. for them because like they aren't always telegraphed in terms of where they are um mm -hmm. That was not necessarily a complaint, but just, like, a thing that I was very keenly aware of, like, as I was trying to get certain endings, so. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I think the trade-off there is that the game does a good job of kind of always putting loot just off the hidden path, you know, mm -hmm. just off to the side. So you have this choice where you're going, like, 
okay, well, I could run over here and pick up loot over here, and it might be good, it might be worth it, because there's some good loot in this section of the game. But are you losing too much court approval in the process and like there is a game over state where if you spend too much time out of bounds or whatever or you just do too many bad things you can get kicked out of the ball and it's a game over <laughs> like, oh i've never seen that yeah it's uh yeah you can you can fuck up the masquerade ball and get kicked out <laughs> uh and that's that's pretty good it's pretty good um mostly the approval matters for later decisions uh but in in the in the moment it's just a really cool meter that you're always juggling um once we head back to the hall of heroes we keep investigating we keep collecting things we grab some caprice coins that we can toss into a fountain to gain even more approval and we can eavesdrop on some elves talking about packages that seems suspicious there's something going on over here you can talk to various dukes and kind of learn about what's going on uh and eventually we get to the point where we can climb up some lattice and do our first like timed section uh which is a fun bit because that's where we get to explore the secret study of our mysterious occult advisor um which is a fun little discovery like the way that you I'm sure there is a way to figure it out. Like, I, I think the first time I did this, I just brute forced the puzzle to, like, lighting the different urns and then opening mm. the secret door. Um, but it's a cool little thing because it's, like, a puzzle you have to figure out. Uh, you know, you got to find the book that you have to pull, and then you have to light the the urns with the Veilfire torch, and then you head down the stairs, and surprise, surprise, there's, like, all kinds of neat stuff down here. Um there's also this weird thing about like opening different shortcuts so that way when you have to go back into these out of bounds areas uh later on in the ball like you won't have to spend so much time getting there which i think is a cool thing um but we just keep investigating we keep finding secrets and then we come back when the first bell rings and meeting us once we decide to enter the ballroom is the one the only morrigan uh, makes a fucking entrance yeah uh can listeners of the podcast will know that i have often said that morgan is one of my favorite characters in dragon age Mm -hmm. i think i think she like when i think of characters in dragon age the first one that pops to mind is morgan like just this is a character that i think bioware has done well by and and Mm -hmm. and more importantly even better by as the years Mm -hmm. have gone on yeah Uh, not something they can claim for most characters so yeah yeah (laughs) um and I think compared to most of the long-running characters in the series, you know, you think of, like, uh, Alistair and Cullen and characters like that, they kind of play very differing roles, but Morrigan... The way Morrigan appears here is the way that I would expect Morrigan to appear again. It's not like, oh, hey, we needed an advisor for this game who knows military, so yeah. why don't we bring back Cullen? Or, hey, you know, Alistair's king, or Alistair's a Grey Warden, and we need a Grey Warden that you care about. Here's Alistair. Like, yeah, Morgan's got shit going on, and when she shows up, it's like, oh, hey, she's the occult advisor that's been helping Celine. She's the mysterious apostate mage. She killed a fucking Deventer agent <laughs> and hands you a key and says, like, hey, there's a there's something going on right now. You should probably mm-hmm. be looking into this. Uh, I would be doing that, but I gotta make sure Celine doesn't die tonight. Um, that's all just great. And, I mean, 
she's still got swagger she's got more swagger than she did Mm. before like she just struts in and is like what's up i'm morgan you know what's Mm. up you get a a real sense it's a dragon age game (laughs) you get a real sense that she's really like because that that was like her kind of beat in origins is that she felt like she was above the rest of the world but she also didn't understand Mm it and Mm -hmm. now you get the sense like she still feels like she's above the world but it's because she understands because she has learned how to game the the game and that she knows like where she can be in this world and also have power that she wants which is as an occult advisor where she is allowed to be an apostate in front of fucking royalty and like not run into any issues with that um the the thing that i've always kind of wondered here and i might not have gone down the right dialogue options or whatever to learn this but like morgan is kind of a known person i guess like she's not known the world over the way that the warden is but it was hard for me to suss out whether her involvement in the killing of the archdemon and all that was as known as some of the other companions because when you meet some companions like former companions of the warden or former companions of uh hawk Mm -hmm. they'll be like oh hey you were there when this thing happened that's cool and like even like in this mission like when liliana is like announced as we're coming in they even mentioned like she is a veteran of the blight and was Mm -hmm. a part of that i i don't remember if i'd heard specifically either but i i kind of imagine that morrigan was not exactly a forward like a public facing side of like that particular conflict um, well we know that she disappears at the end of origins like yeah. she just takes off no matter what so, so i think i think honestly like a lot of those times where those characters would have had notoriety in the world would have been after the fact so like when she's mm-hmm. not there like you know the party at the end or right you know right. seen in you know positions of power under like the guise of a person that was that helped the hero pharrell and um maybe that would have been the time where she would have maybe been but like people been more aware of what she was, but uh, mm-hmm. but she was off fixing a mirror. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like I mean, even I mean, we kind of skipped over, but Liliana talks to us before we meet Morgan. Like I mean, like oh, I know the, the occult advisor. I've had I've had dealings with her before. Um, the Inquisitor doesn't know her, so like mm-hmm. they. So yeah, I guess like this, there, she must not be a known quantity for that. Yeah, so they they even kind of tease at them. They're like, Liliana's like, oh, I've dealt with her before, but yeah, it's 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 kind of almost like and and we can talk more about this when morgan pops up again because morgan only shows up twice in this mission um like on camera at least uh and steals the goddamn show every time she does Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the i think the later conversation you have with her is a little bit more interesting um right and we we can talk about that when we get there but you know morgan is basically like look here's this key i killed a tevinter agent that was obviously up to something he tried to kill me so i murdered him <laughs> she has a great line about oh well i wish i could have taken him alive but he was trying to kill me <laughs> so i didn't really have a choice um i thought that was great but uh she gives you this key which we obviously suss out is for the servants quarters and we once again re- return to uh secret off the map uh dealings and 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 exploration um we can also do some like walking around and talking to various people this is kind of where they introduce that like hey you can go talk to gaspard and briala and uh celine's ladies in waiting and you can get you know kind of what their general standing is and where they are in the politics and what's up with them you know i thought briala was maybe the most interesting because she's kind of this 
ambiguous power when you're coming mm. in um and she's very much like hey i'm here for the elves like right. the elves have been done wrong and i want to do better you can also confront her about the fact that she is a former lover of Celine's, and she right. will be like yeah we have history but if anything that makes me the least likely person here to kill her mm. because if i if if she dies everyone will think i did it <laughs> and right. um like that's really good and then obviously gaspar is just a braggart like he's just uh god he's just, i want to throw him off that damn railing but we'll get there <laughs> um anyways uh we return to our off-limits exploration where court approval once again starts ticking down but here's here's the first problem i have with this mission ken it's like hey guess what your whole party's here you better equip your weapons and armor now mm -hmm. And I'm like, do I have to? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you probably should. There's a fight going on. Uh, so first of all, it telegraphs the fact that you are about to go into an area where you are going to do combat things again, which is kind of a bummer. Because up to this point, I've been really just vibing with the whole yeah. feeling of the ball and the, what they were going for and what they were doing. And they're just immediately like, hey, remember there's combat in this game? You got to yeah. do that again. <laughs> it's not crazy about that um but also like you have to go in and like manually switch yes. your equipment and like, yes why can't you just like save yeah. what i would what i would have in any other mission and just which they do later they do that later because yeah. there's a second part of this this quest where you once again go into an area where you're going to do murder and all your companions pop up with all their stuff equipped like from the previous time you set their loadout and you don't and you have to re-equip everything um and like bioware has done this sort of thing before like i i think it was mass effect 2 kasumi's mission where mm. you just but they did the whole thing where you just don't have your stuff and you're in casual clothing and then you get to a thing and you hit a button and it's like okay cool here's your loadout yeah. and that's it and like just do that like just I, I, I'm not. I don't like being that guy who's like, "Oh, just do this thing," mm. um, because I think that's like the most reductive way to talk about how complicated making a video game is. Right. But in this very, very, very specific limited <laughs> case, this one singular case, just do the thing. Just do the thing, <laughs> <laughs> or don't have combat. <laughs> Either one. Um, anyways. As we go through the servants' quarters and the grand apartments and all that, uh, hey, guess what? Venatori are here, and they're doing some murder as well. Uh, we find a bunch of bodies. Uh, Ken, there's a lot of people dying in this party, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the other thing I was a little taken aback by, is every time we go, like, maybe, let's say, 10 feet away from where this grand ball is happening, yeah. there are just bodies everywhere. And, like, you would think that mm. at some point, you know, like, a guard or something would have raised an alarm and somehow notified everyone that there was a bunch of murder happening. And not, like, it's not, like, one or two people that die. Like, there's a section in here where I was just taken aback by how many dead bodies there were. I was like, somebody would be accounted for missing right like this is not this is not normal but um there is a, a harlequin which is kind of a new enemy uh which is interesting like a rogue uh assassin sort of character that i hadn't really seen before um but also various venatori you know if you are 
I, I assume you had to fight some Templar-style characters. I had to fight some Mage-style characters. Um, uh... Oh, wait, no. They were Venatori, so they would have been just Mages. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was... Yeah, for some reason I was thinking that it would still stick with our party allegiances, but you still had to fight Mages, huh? Yeah. I mean, look, Mages are easier to kill. <laughs> it's... <laughs> And and that's a factor because we are losing approval as we are doing the murdering in here. But mm. um, we can run around, pick up various collectibles, um, kill some more people. And then we talk to Briala and she shows up and she's like, hey, what's up? I'm here. Got some elven agents here, too. I was coming in here because my people are dead and i wanted to take care of that that was like something you discovered earlier was there were some agents in the palace that had been murdered and stowed away uh so she's like i'm trying to figure out what's going on here uh cool to meet you here and you know you can be like hey that's neat neat or you can be like that's real suspicious <laughs> why are you, what are you doing here why are you here um and it kind of I, I think this kind of jump starts the idea of like putting in your head whether briala is the one that could be plotting or not um hmm. and then once you get back to the ballroom uh you go into the ballroom for the second bell and florian is there and now you have a little dance section which we were previously talking about uh where florian kind of plants the idea that gaspard is the one who's planning something uh we've heard whispers of chevaliers being snuck into the party and who knows what's going on so at this point like our advisors meet with us and are basically like hey you know there's a lot of shit going on right now and we don't know who's trying to kill who and we're a little confused it seems like you are too let's like break it down real quick because ken at this point we have like possibly three or four different people who are mm -hmm. all trying to kill celine <laughs> yeah. um but how did you feel about like just how i guess decipherable this plot is because for me like at some points i felt like i was losing the thread on who's allied with who and what this implies for what and all that and i was trying to figure out whether the not knowing was intended or whether this is just an incredibly dense mission i think it is intended because my read at like at, at this particular point in the mission is that you kind of are supposed to be at the point where you realize everyone is out for themselves here, and like mm -hmm. that can be coming in various forms, whether it is being the one that wants to murder Celine or just like wants to manipulate the ongoing like peace talks and all the other stuff that's going on. Um, cause I I don't remember if this is is this the part where like all three advisors start siding with a different person. Or uh, is that later? it's yeah, no, it is that part because I don't think they all directly like correspond to one person. But this is where Leliana floats the idea that, like, hey, um, Corypheus really just wants chaos in Orlais because that's what allows him to take over Orlais, is there not being a steady hand on the wheel. So a truce would be nice, but let's just say that Selene being alive is not necessarily necessary for right. us to continue moving forward. Right. We just need someone in charge who is allied with us and not corypheus who yeah. can keep this nation stable and that's like that's the part where everyone is like jesus leliana and she's right. like look <laughs> look we were all thinking it <laughs> yeah are you trying to be nice or are you trying to win the game like what what right. are we doing here 
Um, mm. And I, I really like that part of Liliana. Like, I think her character shines more here than she does in other cases. Yeah. Not just because, like, most of the time she is an advisor that is relegated to, like, one distant point of the map on your Skyhold map and all that. You have to, like, go out of your way to go find her in her little... Uh, I always think of it as, like, that Alri from uh, the, the mythical castle of a wizard school that we don't speak of anymore. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's got her little hidey hole up at the top of yeah. the Library of Odorian. And, like, same with Colin. Like, Josephine is at least on the way to a place that you go to a lot, but Colin and Leliana are kind of off in their own areas. And here Liliana is not only like in her element but she yeah. also just has so many lines that are just stand out like there's there's a part where she's like oh my god she's wearing diamonds or pearls and emeralds on her slippers she'll drown in a lake if she gets tossed in it and stuff like that <laughs> and you're just like are you critiquing someone's shoes right now who are you <laughs> like um and and she gives you this great speech about how she's been like playing the games since she was a girl and uh it's something that everyone here has learned some even do it in their sleep and all that it's it's ah Liliana's great I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about Liliana um but it's at this point that we do kind of get what the general motive for each character would be you know Briala's is maybe the most I mean Briala is like okay jilted lover um who also wants she's a bit of a radical she's a revolutionary she mm-hmm. wants to make sweeping changes across Orlay. gaspard is the military person he wants to be a warmonger he wants to bring back the i think it was draken uh was the the character they name check at some point who's like the conqueror um and celine is like the even steady hand but she's also as we have seen so far maybe not great <laughs> at managing conflict Mm. um and florian is kind of the wild card being brought in at ostensibly as part of gaspard's party but could be working for her own gain independently of gaspard um and we we hit a point where you know we tell colin to get soldiers into place because we know that something is going to go down tonight but uh also we need like hard evidence evidence against these three and we we head into our last out of bounds area to find that stuff um so we head into an area where once again we are weapons weapons hot (laughs) and um through a couple different rooms we find an elven servant who has been sent by briala to come find some dirt um and by saving them from an assassin uh, we can get them to like testify about that. We find a soldier tied to a bed naked who is being held hostage by Celine, who has turned on Gaspard. And uh, we find out that Celine has known about Gaspard's like treasonous ways and was going to wait for him to spring his trap. And then she was going to spring hers and accuse him of treason. And that was how she was going to win it. So she, we, we have that evidence and then Gaspard, after we go and uh, find a waiting Florian in a place where she told us to look for proof against uh, Gaspard's treasonous plot, we find out that Florian is Corypheus's agent inside the ball. And she's opened a fade rift 
in the middle of the freaking winter palace <laughs> and I there like are... a... I feel like we don't get like a real sense of how big the winter palace is for all of these yeah. shenanigans to be going on I mean yeah. we can clearly see that it's like a large place but like I don't know like where are the guards <laughs> like, <laughs> like... how is the, the noise of like all guy combat non echoing through the place if somebody hears it. I don't know. Maybe the music. Yeah, like, there there was a part. So so there's a part. Look, this game has I think Dragon Age two is the one that does it the most with just people exploding into mm. bits. But I got a real like Fallout three moment of just a character like screaming and dying and exploding into indecipherable bits, one of which had the loot button over it. And I was just like, oh, wow. Mm. Um, we're making kind of a mess of what is ostensibly a seat of a government. Right. And what is happening? <laughs> like, There's a fade rift opening with demons, and we seem to be the only ones that are aware any of this is happening. Like, yeah. half of this place is under renovations at various points. So... I don't know, man. Winter Palace, y'all need to get your shit together. <laughs> Somebody's got to figure that out. Um, but we find Florian, who has sprung a trap for us, and she spews the same bullshit that any Corypheus agent spews about, oh, Corypheus will ascend to the throne and be a god. Um, I like the, the way she positions it, which is like, she will dethrone the maker and Corypheus will become an attentive god. Um, I just thought that was an interesting mm. way of framing it because I was like, huh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's the god, sensibility. I mean, like... The god of like, this world clearly does not give a shit about anyone in it because <laughs> there's bullshit happening everywhere. Um, but, yeah, she's you know she's got her own god complex of, like, I'm going to be installed as the great ruler of Thetis once Corypheus takes over, which is like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and then we have to fight a demon fade rift and stuff but once we do that we find a mercenary captain from ferelden who has been smuggled into the party and uh was supposed to help gaspar do his big overthrow thing and all that uh he's basically like look i haven't been paid yet and this dude probably isn't gonna pay me so how about i just like testify for you and we'll call it even for saving my life back there uh now we have all of our evidence. We have all of our ducks in a row. And something, that, gotta... mm, something occurred to me. No, like, it, let's put yeah, a pin in it, it when we get to the actual like decision making. Okay. Okay. Um, so we return to the ball and we talk to Colin, and this is where we have to ultimately make a choice. Well, you know? um, we actually oh, we did it, we did skip over one thing. Um, oh, what 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 I miss? What I miss? At a certain point, like we have to use the hollow statues to get into oh, like, yeah. Celine's quarters and find. Um, no, I mentioned the soldier. No, no. There's a, or maybe it's our, our quarters. Like, there's a place we have, we have to find a locket. Um, oh yes, there is a vault. Uh, yeah, the vault. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Earlier, um, there's so many locked doors, y'all. Um, mm. Like, and and if you're a rogue, there are also like many more locked doors that you can open, which are really just loot. But um, yeah, it it behooves you to be a rogue in this specific mission. Mm. Let me just start the um, game over. No, nah, no, nah, you don't. <laughs> Being a rogue is oftentimes suffering. Um, it's only recently been fun now that I have all my abilities and I get to just throw a dagger and kill somebody. But 
uh yeah we do have to find a locket which is an elven locket that is being kept in a vault which i suppose is heavily implied that it is something that briala gave to Celine, mm-hmm. um that she has held on to right. uh maybe implying that there is not as many hard feelings uh also important to note that uh one thing that the elven servant does tell us is that when briala and Selene were lovers was also when the alienage of halam Sharal was burned to the ground uh which looks real bad for briala mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not not a good look if you are supposed to be an ambassador for elven kind and you are also lovers with somebody who burns an alienage to the ground uh, i've heard that's a bad look um Anyways, we have dirt on just about everybody at well, this point. But Which is we still more dirt, Ken? Well, we gotta talk about... We actually didn't talk about what we do with the locket, because... What, what you mean you, what we do with the locket? What you can... Oh, okay, okay, clearly oh, I know that's, which... That's, toy, in, that's in the ending. No, it's that's not. In, Cle- stop. stop. Oh, okay, I'm, okay, okay. I'm, okay. I'm hijacking this podcast. Hijacking. Clear, clearly you and I did not make the same decision if you did not, like, have to do this. Um... What you can do with the locket is you can take the Priyala, and you can talk, like, is this yours? And she's like, yeah, whatever. Nah. Like, I don't care that she still has it, whatever. And then you can also show it to Selene's ladies-in-waiting, and then they, like, basically bring it to Selene's attention. That's, that is one of the only points Selene will, like, she won't stop the party, but she will leave it and, like, go to a separate room and be like, yes, this is, this was Priyala's. Oh. We were involved. Um, she meant and maybe still does mean a great deal to me. But that was in the past. Things are, like, in a state of disrepair between us. So I ask that you don't bring it up again because it is a sore spot for me. We did. We did take different ending paths then. Interesting. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was in this to solve a mystery. I was not in this to reconcile anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyways, we... uh, now now can we return to the party yes <laughs> and we uh we talk to cullen who's basically like okay dude what do we do at this point we know that florian is about to spring her trap and kill Celine. uh so we have kind of three options here we can wait for for florian to attack which will let Celine die but if we think that's an acceptable thing and maybe we want to install one of the other people on the throne uh that's that's what we got to do we could detain the duchess which will save her life but also means we have to fight florian uh like legitimately fight with our swords and daggers and all that or we can do what is easily one of the best cutscenes in this game mm where the inquisitor confronts florian in front of the entire ball and the court and just goes on this hercule poirot like this is what you did and you sprung all this and this is you like lays it all out and is basically like you thought i would die and you thought you could get away with killing Celine. you never knew what you could do this is like your your plan has failed and it's oh god can mm. it's so she, hammy and it's so good like, she gets dragged away by the guards it's just uh-huh and this is actually where court approval comes in because we have to have a pretty high court approval yeah. uh 85 or higher to get that scene otherwise uh we have to fight florian um so i think that's 
that's an interesting thing is like we could also like the implication there is we could grandstand but then we just look like a moron (laughs) 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 like nobody's going to listen to you so you're like okay fine i'll just stab her instead which you actually can do once you have like non-violently detained her you can still execute her and kill her uh or you can have her taken away which is what i did um because you know she we're not gonna make the mistake that morgan made you know we're gonna keep her alive she's got corypheus information we want corypheus information so let's let's figure that out um after all the theatrics are done though we retreat to a balcony with the major players that are left uh celine briala and gaspard and have to make a determination which is again like this is a very bioware thing like hey guess what you get to decide the fate of the empire now because you have you have been determined to be the biggest adult in the room and so (laughs) you have to make this decision for everyone else but in this specific case i think the way it's framed works for it because basically you are standing there and you hold all the cards uh and basically all you have to do is reveal some level of indiscretion that has happened during the night uh and that will kind of influence decisions that are made uh now granted that also there are a lot of endings here i think five different endings uh Uh, counting them real quick one two three four five yes um so the most vanilla one the most like basic one is just if you followed pretty much just the main path and you have the evidence against gaspard uh from the trap that florian springs and selene is still alive uh you can basically just reveal that gaspar was planning to do this thing and selene's like cool i will continue to rule then and throw gaspar into the prison haha got you and that's that's that um that is the most boring one that is not the (laughs) exciting one uh i'm going to quickly go over the other two because they are not the ones that we did um and i also think they're kind of boring although one of them has interesting implications the other one is that we allow celine to die and then we use uh kind of the blackmail material we have collected to blackmail briala and make gaspar the ruler Mm. or we can use our blackmail material to if celine is dead blackmail gaspard and basically have him still sit on the throne but briala pulls all the strings from the shadows which is an interesting conclusion possible conclusion to all of this um i would say if you're going to let celine die that is probably the most interesting option also Mm. briala is a cool character i like briala um (laughs) so the one you did as i into it is that you reunite celine and briala Mm -hmm. and put gaspard away yeah um for my one i i love a a reconciliation story i'm just like i'm big Mm -hmm. on people like having spent time apart grown as people and realizing hey let's do this right this time and just you know sorting it out um Mm -hmm. and that's both for like their relationship and also like the ways in which they rule and like how celine just kind of like floats about doing whatever she feels like not really paying much attention to anything where brielle is now like i fucked up by the elves before i'm not gonna let that happen again i am in a position to be in power once again and have influence and I, i'm gonna do right by my people this time and that's it and i'm like all right cool you two are in like a very like a 
relative to the other option, which is that fucking dude, I trust the two of you to sort your shit out together and do right by both sides of Orle that you both stand for. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Now kiss you lesbians. <laughs> I, I think this one is actually, like, I don't know if sentimental is the right word, but, like, it is the most rewarding. Because not only is it the hardest to get, because you have to do those steps that we talked about earlier, which clearly I did not do, because I was just like, I gotta find out where all the murder is. <laughs> but um, it's also, like, it's revealing a little bit of the nature of the politics behind it. It's very much about, like, the people that are behind it and relationships and stuff, and, and I mm. like that. I like that aspect of it. Like, hey, these are... I, I think Celine is kind of portrayed as a distant character unless you do this right. mission and, and you get to see a lot more of her here. Yeah. And, like, if you actually go to her to do some of these things and, like, you actually see her, like, leave the party to, like, be like, oh, you are encroaching on my personal mm-hmm. life in a way that I did not expect even the Inquisitor, like, this person that, like, I know mm-hmm. gets shit done and, like, does, you know, these, like, move fucking mountains to make things happen. Um, yes. I did not, I did not feel like I could be touched by that. Like, I felt like I was an untouchable force of royalty in, in Orlais that even you couldn't touch. But now, like, you are so close to me, like, you could, you know... I mean, you, you could end her career if you wanted right. to. Like, because I think Dorian actually calls it out where he's like, uh that would be that would be worse for Celine than for Briala if right. the truth about their relationship came out even though it would also be pretty damning for Briala yeah um the option that i chose which is now that i think about it a pretty centrist all sides get to win mm. <laughs> approach to things which i'm feeling pretty crummy about at the moment um <laughs> is a a public truce which i guess is like the goal of these peace accords which is to achieve a truce um and and have all forces still be present um it's also like mechanically the most difficult because you have to have that high court approval yeah um you also have to have gathered enough hollow statues oh, i actually said hollow this time i said a hollow <laughs> um and uh you have to gather the statues to find the naked soldier you have to have all the blackmail stuff so it's really like mechanically probably the most involved um and and that basically results in a situation where uh briala remains an advisor and an ambassador um gaspard is appointed to a position on Celine's higher court and Celine. Uh, remains in rule uh and i thought that one was the most fitting with like a bioware style ending to this and that like okay everybody wins you found the option where nobody has to lose and uh that feels good from an aspect of like i get to have the best of all these things but there's like a lingering bittersweetness to it where you can clearly tell that all three parties are not happy with the decision that has just been made and they're just kind of grumbling and being like okay well Put on yes, get a long shirt yeah, yeah like corypheus is a problem we'll take care of this like the the immediate sense i got and that i got in the the cutscene afterwards was like yeah uh just because this establishes peace for the the time when there are literal like rifts in the fade opening in the sky that does not mean this is going to last 
um, um you know don't be rosy about this yeah and i mm, do you want to look at the, the uh epilogues now or like when we finish the game um i mean we've we looked at epilogues for a previous one for colin specifically so i'm not against it um i'd have mm -hmm. to open up the specific page about it though if you give me just a moment mm -hmm. uh this is me vamping for time Eric finds the page. I've got hey. so many wiki pages up right now. Maybe I could find it from what I'm looking at. No, I can probably close that for her and she's dead now. We, or, well, she's gonna be dead soon. Um, mm, and close up the Liliana one. How's, how's progress okay, so going? Or, or lay, or lay. I've got it open. Or lay. Oh my god, this is so long. Um, so if Gaspard is executed, um. Basically, if if you do the ending that you got, Ken, um, the the idea is that like there's a shaky piece or Lay is rising. Though there is like an element of how long are Briala and uh, and Celine going to stay reunited. Um, but but overall, like a happy end, ostensibly. Um, if we if Gaspar dies and Briala is exiled. Um, Briala is pretty pissed, and it's like highly implicated that Briala is like actively trying to like overthrow mm -hmm. uh, and, and plot a return. Um, if Gaspard lives and is not executed, um, you know, obviously Gaspard is waiting around, and Celine can also become kind of a um, kind of a an authoritarian like like a, a mm -hmm. dictator of sorts um and you can also like organize a uh kind of a cooperation as well to get everyone to work together um and i'm scrolling down because there are so many permutations here um gaspard can also turn into a bit of a authoritarian and is who like who among us could have seen that coming yeah, who is like, I don't care that the Inquisition helped me. Like, I'm just, Orlais stands alone and all that. Um, Briala ruling through Gaspard. I, I'm just now, I've actually never seen what this epilogue looks like. Um, and I'm looking through it right now. Um, it's framed as like, if you are an elf specifically, it's framed as like, uh, there is an alliance between the Inquisitor and Briala that is deeper because of their like background with each other. That's kind of interesting. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's Briala. <laughs> like Briala is basically framed as like this very, very secretly powerful revolutionary character, whereas mm. the other two kind of become these authoritarian style rulers. Although, if you manage to cool their hearts a little bit, they may not immediately become a dictator. So. I, just, I don't know, man. Like, you were saying earlier, like, where Lay as a whole is maybe not the most interesting setting to be in, but it results in some interesting stuff, like what we have here. And that's kind of how I feel about it as a whole. Like, I'm I'm struggling to really care about mm. the outcome of Orlay when I think there are, like, bigger fish to fry and more interesting things to deal with than who's the latest noble that wants to kill right. another noble but at the same time like that is why this mission works so well so i, I don't know i'm of like a couple minds about it where are you at with this uh 
I, I, I kind of feel the same way, just in that, like, I don't have a lot of investment in Orlais as, like, a place, like, even, even in the grand scheme of things, like, we don't have a lot of characters that come from here, like, that are, like, major represent, representatives of it throughout the franchise, at least the ones that are, like, you know, prominent in, like, in our field of view for the short of time, but it's mm-hmm. just, like, the, the mission as a whole is just, like, even... Like things like uh, like Thane's loyalty mission or other like non combat related things that happen in Bioware games. Nothing like I don't think Bioware's ever really put some like something of this scale out there that didn't mm-hmm. have all these different like points where we have to okay. Well, I mean, granted, like there are points where we have to do combat, but like it was certainly not the focus. It was ne- it never felt like we were like always leading up to the moment where we would get to pull out our weapons again. Um, and even if like I don't. I, th- I do feel a little weird about like, the position that we the Inquisitor are as a, as an outsider of this place that where we are making like you know we are really playing the game and like really getting the politics of this place to make things work out in our favor specifically which is like, I mean that's kind of like an issue with Inquisition at large because like we, I talked about that back in the, like the Mage Templar stuff like watching that particular thing get swept up in whatever the Inquisitor or the Inquisition rather was doing um, doesn't read very well to me, but this at least was something that, like, I guess that level of detachment that we have makes it feel a little better to me than the stuff that happened with the Wardens or the Mages and Templars, mm-hmm. because ultimately, like, I don't personally have any investment in what happens to Orlay beyond what it does for me, so I guess in that sense, it it was more of a acceptable sort of, like, stage for a mission like this where we are really manipulating things using the Inquisition power um th- that might ring different for people that are like like read the books and all the other stuff that um yeah, this, is, this, is... this stuff is more prominent in because like I know people have like yeah. opinions of Selene that like I don't know anything fucking about um like this definitely feels like a section of the game that appeals to people who are really deep into Dragon Age lore mm. but like, the sense I got coming away from it, just having only dealt with game lore, is that this... It seems like this shit happens every Friday night in Orlais. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah, this seems pretty par for the course around here. Everyone's pretty chill about it. So, like, okay, cool. Y'all just have your murder palace and, you know, your, your like, intrigue. And whoever I install, like, it's probably going to be different two years from now, but whatever. Like it's Mm. that's just how it goes in orlay everybody plays the game and yeah i think that let me just really get involved with it in a way where like other times it's been like oh i'm determining the future of an entire people like that's not great that's not always a good thing to be in but here i'm just like the inquisitors having a night of playing the game and turns out the inquisitor's pretty good at it and has a good time doing it maybe i'll do it again someday who knows but uh yeah the the real highlight let's be honest here the two scenes that happen after we finish mm. uh this <laughs> this dance uh this ball i should say uh first up morrigan returns uh and god damn i just keep remembering how cool morgan is and she's just like uh well i've been assigned to the inquisition i'm the official liaison to the inquisition so you're gonna be seeing a lot more of me and i'm like yeah. hell yes and she's like uh i know lots of magic and i'm like blood magic and she's like look i know a lot of magic what you want to <laughs> use your call and i was like 
I have missed you, Morgan. <laughs> you rule. Welcome back to the like. You can actually say like, "I'm happy you're here" or something like that. Which I was like, that doesn't feel like it's something that the Inquisitor would say, but it feels like something I personally, the player, yeah. would say. So I almost yeah, got like I'm, the feeling yeah. of a fourth wall break in this conversation. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I kind of personally like. And maybe this is like as my character as a mage like has like an understanding of things. Like I did like. I almost, like, feel like I have a connection to other mages where, like, I'm like, yeah, I would like to have somebody else that is, like, very knowledgeable about these things, like, being around. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, like, when I say I'm happy that you're coming along, like, I'm glad to have you, um, I mean it. Like, in, a, in, like, not just, you know, the fourth wall breaking way, but also, like, genuine, like, characters that I can talk to on that level that d- don't feel like I have to talk to them. And, like, they'd be a walking fucking codex entry. Like, I can have conversations. Like, that's what I really like about Solus, like, in terms of, like, the relationship that he and my Inquisitor have is that, like, they don't talk to me like I'm stupid because they know that I exist in the same world that they do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it it rules. Morgan rules. Uh, very happy to explore more of her character in a future episode. Uh, I was about to ask, did you did you like stop as soon as you finished this mission? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then yeah, we can <laughs> save the Morgan talk for a few episodes from now. Yeah, yeah. There was there was no way I was going to go deeper into that stuff. I'm saving yeah. that for for the specific mission, but oh so much to unpack there (laughs) i am really looking forward to it um also we get so for you you had a scene with dorian Mm -hmm. uh out on the balcony i assume you just kind of exchanged some quips about the night and then and then had your dance yeah which is like it's because like when you talk to him and you're like i I guess it's the same way if you have your romance interest here with you regardless like you make reference like oh i want to get a dance at some point and you know, like, he comes out and, like, there's, like, a moment where, like, oh, well, the ball just got kind of fucking ruined by treason, I guess. So there's no, <laughs> real, there's no real chance for us to, you know, have that dance we talked about. And then he just, like, puts his arm out and is, like, oh, you know, you're, you're down. You're, like, you, like this is not, has been a long night. And then he just puts his arm out and, like, let's do this. And I was, like, all right, on the fucking, in the middle of the balcony, all, like, sure, like, it would have been great to be the Inquisitor dancing with, like, somebody from Taventer in front of all of them to watch the, them fucking clutch their pearls, but this is, this is good. Like, we can just be the two of us. That's, that's nice. It's sweet. I think all the, the scenes are very sweet, and yeah. for me personally, so we've, we've talked about this, alright. I fucked up the romance options in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I missed the soulless trigger. That's alright. I'm cool. I've made my peace with that. Not romance in the Egg Boy anymore. He's gone. He's in the rear view. Had a fling with Iron Bolt. Just a fling. Did not want to make it serious. Let him off easy. It's all good. Uh, Josie. Josie catches my eye. Uh, I'm talking to her at Skyhold. We're having a great time. Cannot trigger her mission. Uh, we're in we're, we're in the winter palace and she's the one she's the default that shows up mm-hmm. if you don't have a love interest you can still say like i'd love to have a dance with you you have a little dance it's a heart icon it's a heart icon ken mm-hmm. it shows the heart icon and then you have a wonderful dance it's a beautiful little scene it's very sweet and then you can go back to skyhole ken you go to skyhole <laughs> and you talk to her you're like it's a great night and she's like, oh, there's so much that happened there. And you can say, like, yeah, but my favorite part was dance with you. And there's a heart icon, Ken. It's mm-hmm. a heart right there. It mm-hmm. says heart. Look mm-hmm. like a peach. Uh, it's it's there. And I can't trigger the romance quest because apparently I must not have used heart at the right time previously or just missed a trigger somewhere. It's not in my journal log. And I, Ken, I'm... 
look, I I think there's a lot that this game does well about romance. Eric, I I like that. Eric, like I gotta the, cut you off. I gotta cut you off. Yeah, there are heart icons every fucking time. If you did not pick them, okay, I'm, get, I'm getting there. The I'm getting there. Ken, I'm getting there. All right, this is. I think it does a lot well about romance. I, I think it is really annoying when they give you options like this that are heart options that they have codified as saying like, hey, you know, I've learned my lesson now, Ken. I've been through the ringer three times on this already. I know now. I know. And they they turn around. They're like, hey, guess what? Here's here's the thing with Josie. It's got a heart icon on it. I'm like, oh, I'm still in the game. I can still do this. But because I didn't hit an arbitrary trigger somewhere else, though that heart didn't mean shit. That didn't do anything. I got I got the the telltale heart, man. Like that's I mm, that specific interaction just reminded me that I think I'm still just not wild about the way that everything romance is incredibly binary in the conversations in this game I... to where to where you have to be like um oh like you okay here's here's I, the thing i have I, about it ken here's, i don't think that's fair the, though like i no stay with me stay okay. with me all right i'm gonna get somewhere don't worry i think relationships develop at different times i think it's okay for a character to have a relationship blossom at different points in in the game and like maybe for my character my inquisitor when they did the previous missions with Josie, where I was just helping her out of a bind, I wasn't trying to just straight up, like... Because the fl- the romance options in this game, like the actual dialogue options themselves, are just straight up hitting on a character. Like, it's just, you either have an option that is just, you know, talking to somebody, or you're like, or we could get down and dirty. And that's, like, what the option is for, like, 90% of them. And I think... If you're going to have that be a thing, you should be able to segue off of the main branch into that and not have it be like you have to hit this one trigger. Or if they're going to do that, they need to say that. They need to have the thing pop up because they have the thing in all the other quests where it's like, hey, guess what? Here's like the weird looking circle thing where you have to make a decision and the text pops up on it. It's like, if you make this decision, you will romance this character. If you make this decision, you will never be able to romance this character again. Maybe they need to do that because... I think if you make it that if you hit the heart, you're saying you're signaling to the game, I want to get off the highway and and exit here and get onto Josie Lane, and this is what you are doing now, and to have an exit labeled that way and have it just take you back onto the highway of living forever alone in Skyhold <laughs> is kind of annoying and like that that's kind of where i'm at where it's like it's this game where it's much like dragon age 2 where you can have multiple romances and uh like the idea that can change and i think that can create really compelling character narratives like the one we talked about with you having a relationship with fenris that then dissipates and you so you go to anders but anders doesn't work out because anders crazy and then you go back and you talk to fenris again and you rehash everything that's the system working well in my opinion that's the system doing what it should do and instead in this game if you don't hit the right trigger at the right time it just locks you out forever and i don't like that but also 
like for for the idea that you're talking about to work like the actual romance stories that are written have to be these fluid things that change with the context of the game which is not like a system that exists most of these exist outside of the context of the major quest too well not specifically their own quests though like by the time that you got into the point where you're like oh i want to start romancing josie if you didn't do it like during her quest like during these like specific moments in her story the game can't just like make a new like like a new love story based on when you decided to start but I, I never I never got the option for the mission that lets you go deal with her shithole boyfriend or whatever. Uh the the guy she's supposed to be engaged but, to. But like you would have you would have had to have been feeding the relationship long before that to start. And that's that's what I'm saying is I think this game you have to like go in knowing like have the wiki open with the page of who can I romance in this game and say, okay, every time I'm talking to this character, when the heart icon pops up, I'm going to hit that icon. Because if you don't, you might miss a trigger that that locks you out of that romance forever. And I don't think that's a good way of designing romance. I don't know. Like, I, and I don't even think you need to suddenly have like the wiki open to like, no, but I think if like, you're not communicating interest to a character, like through the, like, yeah. Okay. Like the story is, that characters go through and they like their individual stories, not like, you know, in reference to the plot, like it is not necessarily contextual with the main plot, but like you are still like getting through their stories. And if you're not like, yes, you have a very finite time to get this relationship started, but like the game doesn't make new relationship shit. If you do it at a different point than the beginning. I'm, I'm missing what, what your point is. Well, here. my, my, my point is like, you want the game to like have like different areas of or like different points in the game that you can jump onto the romance but like if you're not signaling or, it from the beginning like the because like it's it's I not like you just be able i think even if i didn't so like let's use a very literal example of in the dream with solas i didn't smooch him okay mm-hmm. i'm still able to then do more solas missions after that and hard icons appear but because I didn't do that one thing at that one point, it won't trigger the romance to go further. That's right. that's what annoys me, is that because I didn't express interest, and, and more specifically, the interest that the game wanted me to express at a very specific point, like, it's a point where, like, I think as, as a whole, this game does a good job of letting you roleplay, but that's a moment where they say, like, well, if you want to romance a character, you've got to hit this option at this time the way we want you to. If you don't do it, even if you later on decide you want to romance this character, or you know, maybe at this point in time you don't want to, but then you change your mind later, like, you're fucked. Because <laughs> you didn't hit it at that point in time. And I... I I think there'd be some more merit to it if they were framing it in a way of like, oh, you missed your shot or something like that. But a lot of these, a lot of these moments are seemingly arbitrary. And again, it's like you're hitting this hard option to just say like, yes, I would like to opt into potentially romancing this character. And I, I, I wish it was like, say for example, I've done Josie's regular non-romance companion mission and then at the winter palace i dance with her and i do the hard option i'm like okay you know josie's a cool character maybe i do want to romance this character i would then think that her completely separate mission from her base mission 
a completely different plot line with its own challenges and all that could then pop up and be like hey could you help me with this and now you just go do it and now you're romancing Josie that seems simple enough to me again this is a case where I don't like being like oh why don't you just do this but this is a case where I'm being like why is that not just something that you can opt into later especially when they're putting that heart icon in front of you when they're saying like oh this is a romance option but you can't surface it because you didn't pick the heart icon in a separate quest earlier that had nothing to do with the other quests you didn't pick the right heart icon in the Josie situation specifically that quest does have to do with you having an already established relationship she doesn't bring up the other guy unless you are already in that relationship because then it's not in your business right right but that's why I'm saying like you go to the winter palace and you pick the heart icons okay you're starting to dance with Josie y'all are having a good time together and that's it and that apparently is not the right heart icon you needed to choose for the game to say like oh okay you're in a relationship with her now um that one was a different one that had to be determined you had to pick it at that time and that's what i'm saying is like i feel like the the literal on-ramps into romance are like way too defined and also like having the arc the heart icon be the way that you start those romances like i know we praise the clarity and i still do like the clarity that it offers but i also think that that creates a literal situation where if you even think you might want to romance a character you should always be flirting with them even if it's not the character that you want to be you should probably flirt with them because that will keep the option alive versus not having it at all is what i'm saying i mean i get the frustration but i also just don't think that they can write for that like i don't like or at least not like they would they would have to be run multiple like love stories for each character like based on when the player might decide that they want to start pursuing it um especially because like at this point like Josie, you've done all her shit though right like other than i've done her companion quests yes i i don't think i've done her retrieve the uh the mark for her the the boat or whatever for her so hey who knows maybe if i go and do that right now in my save file that'll trigger the thing that i need to do so that that might honestly be what it is and i can eat a little bit of crow over that although i think my my point still stands um but um and no it's not a boat is it a boat it's a boat that has her like fam the montelier family Something crest like on it right yeah um i don't think i've done that specific quest so hey maybe that is the trigger that i need to start it and then i might you know in this specific case be right but i still think it's weird that again like there's just one on-ramp and if you don't hit it when you're supposed to and and more specifically that's one specific option like maybe like this sounds really dumb and needy of me but maybe there should be different kinds of romance options because like i don't know what if you don't want to just be the horn dog inquisitor who wants to like flirt with everybody what if you can give them like a cool response that's like oh i don't know you have an impressed but like not to be like a total soon dare on them or whatever but like i don't like i i think having just one option be the flirty option that turns on the romance switch i think that's a place that they can expand in the future if nothing else like because romance is a big part of bioware games it's you can't really deny that um so i don't know 
It's not as weird as romance in Baldur's Gate 3, let me tell you that much. <laughs> um, overall, thoughts on on Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. Is it still, does it hold up, Ken? Is it still that mission? I think it does, yeah. I, I just, this is when I think of Dragon Age and like Inquisition's strengths specifically, like this is what I think of this is this specific mission everything else in this game is very good but you are hard pressed to find anyone who will not say like even when we were, when we were setting up to record this episode uh friend of the show dj stormageddon hot was is in our discord and was like i love this mission so much easily one of my faves like it's just one that you say that and everyone's like oh god so good so good yeah <sighs> What an episode, Ken. <laughs> this is and like that, some of our, it, it's like some of our older ones where we used to go for hours. That's what happens when we do plot instead of character stuff, I guess. I know, right? It's wild. That that was Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. As always, we are Normandy FM, a Bioware retrospective podcast. We have done Mass Effect already, all of it. Uh, you can find all of that in our archives. We are working our way through the Dragon Age series as we are currently on Inquisition. They'll take us through the end of the year, all the way up through Trespasser in December. But starting next year, in Jade, we'll be doing Jade Empire. Uh, we haven't really set a firm date for that yet. Uh, so TBD on when we'll start that up again. I imagine both of us will take like one week of rest and then immediately be like, okay, time to get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also uh we have a patreon that you can go support patreon.com slash normdfm where you can contribute help us keep the lights on help us pay for the games that we have to buy because now i gotta go buy a steam copy of jade empire because <laughs> yeah i gotta get mine too yeah that's like a thing you have to do in in this modern day and age is figure out how to play i mean is it i wonder if it's going to be backwards compatible with xbox i mean uh, i think it already is because i th- i know on- it's I know it's compatible on the one, right? And yeah, I think all the games that are compatible on the one are going to move forward to the yeah. series, is my understanding. Yeah. Um, Although it's probably just simpler to play it on Steam. Because I can't but, imagine how expensive it is to play on, to buy on an Xbox. But what if we played it on the Series X and got that auto HDR going? You what could one? Jade Empire look like? <laughs> Um, hey, if you want to fund a Series X for Ken to see all the we've, glory of auto I'm sure HDR. we've got the money for it. If I, if I really wanted to buy an Xbox Series X to play one 15-year-old game. <laughs> uh, if you want to fund that, you can head over to Normandy, uh, normandy.com, patreon.com slash normandyfm and uh, support us there. If you back at a certain tier, you get your name shouted out every week. And this week, that is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, uh, Colin, just Colin, sorry about that, uh, just Zach Mickle, and The Wedge of Destiny. Thank you all so much. Um, did, this, did this other person re-up, Ken? Do we know no, this? They did not? Okay, never mind then. But then, then someone will not be named this week. <laughs> if you want to take their spot, you can head to patreon.com slash and do so. Uh, otherwise, you know, if 
it's next gen consoles it's a weird time of year we understand that not everybody has the funds so if you just want to follow along you can always follow us on various podcast services like spotify you can also head over to our twitter twitter.com slash show where we post all of our updates and ken sometimes retweets the various shit posts that ken and i do because uh we do that a lot we also boost friends of the show and their work as well because we have lots of wonderful people that come on our show including one newcomer next week although it might not be a newcomer if you've been listening to every single one of our episodes uh ash parish who joined us for the dragon age companion ranking will be coming along to hang out and debut on her first actual episode talking all about vivienne uh if you listened to that pax panel that we did uh i'm looking forward to the takes because i think vivienne is one of the characters that i've really come around on i guess she was a character i didn't use a lot previously because i didn't think she had much interesting to do or say and this playthrough i've been using her a lot more uh mostly because i'm mad at solace for uh rebuffing my advances and so now dorian and vivian are my mage pals and also vivian uh she's cool i mean literally cool because i i specialize her into ice magic but also uh just cool in general so i'm very much looking forward to that uh that'll i mean we can just run down the list we don't have uh, all of our guests confirmed yet so that will change uh the ones that are left i think are probably easily confirmed uh we'll, we'll put a pin in it because there also needs to be the element of surprise for everybody but our schedule as it is barring unforeseen circumstances should be uh vivian will be next week after that will be blackwall then leliana and that'll close out our companions we'll be done with companions in three weeks time all plot after that yep and then starting in december we'll be doing all of our main plot points which are what pride had wrought doom upon all the world and then we'll be closing it out with a big old trespasser episode uh which will be a bit of a return for Ken and I because I think that's the first time we ever spoiler casted on a thing together. Um, mm. If I'm remembering, at least, at least solo, like just the two of us, solo. Yes, the two. Um, yeah, at least just us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one big old trespasser thing to round it all back out and close out Dragon Age with a big old bang. But for us, for Norm the FM, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. We have watched and waited 